Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,440. Today we're going to have some fun with an author who's sharing his book titled Tales from the Garage. What could be more fun than that? And by the way, happy birthday, Paige. I'm very proud of you. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Beverly Hills with a very special guest by the name of Rodney Cameron. Rodney, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? I'm always ready, Mark. I'm always ready. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling you are. We're going to have a lot of fun today talking about a very cool book that you have authored. But before I introduce you properly and we talk more about this book, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Rodney? Probably the greatest piece of trivia about me is that I appear in a movie called This is Spinal Tap. Oh, This is Spinal Tap. Yes. How on earth did you get a part in that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a part. I, I, I was, uh, my wife was working on the on the picture, and it was uh, very, very low budget. And we were recruiting anybody we could get. And I just got pulled into a, a party scene one day, and then uh, suddenly I was given a line. And so now I have a speaking line in Spinal <laughs> Tap. <laughs> it reminds me of that uh, Seinfeld episode where Kramer uh, ends up on a movie set and is given one line about a salty pretzel or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These pretzels are so salty. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And he just keeps repeating it yep. endlessly. Yeah. I can't. Unfortunately, I can't tell you what my one line in Spinal Tap was, but every once in a while someone says, did I see you in Spinal Tap? And I go, mm, yeah, you know. That's funny. That's funny. So I think probably my obituary will say, you know, party extra in Spinal Tap passes away. Oh, know? gosh. Well, you know, <laughs> you live in Beverly Hills with a paparazzi, you know, out there on the take all the time. So I'm sure they just hoard you every time you go downtown. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's like any showbiz connection will do, right? <laughs> Whatever helps. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let me give you an introduction here. Rodney Kemmer is a lifelong automotive enthusiast. Sounds like everybody that comes out of this show, but that's okay. His writing has appeared in Garage Style Magazine. I know that well. Hemmings Classic Cars, Rolls-Royce Flying Lady, BMW Roundel. Hold on, this list is long. The Peterson Museum Finish Line Magazine. Great job they do there. Vintage Road and Race Car, Bentley Drivers Club Review, Old Cars Weekly, and the Los Angeles Times, just to name a few. His first book which we're talking about today, is titled Tales from the Garage, and it sure is. And it's a journey through the garages and the enthusiasts who want to share their passions, their cars, and time spent in the biggest room in the house, the garage. Beautifully designed with fun illustrations, part memoir and part memories, and formatted like an owner's manual. Very cool. We'll be back in just a moment to learn a lot more and talk about this book, but first a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Buckle up. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner 
that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Hey, guess what? Some of you regular listeners will remember back in 2019, I created uh, 10, 11 shows called Cars Yeah TV, where I went to some fabulous locations of past Cars Yeah guests, and we did a TV show about it. Well, they're up on the Cars Yeah YouTube channel. So go check it out at YouTube. Just type in Cars Yeah, and the shows will be there for you to enjoy. I hope you have fun watching. So Rodney, we are back. Well, I had a lot of fun looking through your book last night before we were going to have this call today. And it really is a fun journey. And what I love about it is it's piece by piece by piece. And before we get into this a little bit more, I, you and I spoke the other day about your book a little bit. And you explained kind of the format and why you did it the way you did it. Can you explain that to our listeners? Sure. When I, I had written a number of you know essays for various magazines, and primarily Garage Style Magazine, where Don Weberg so generously gave me the opportunity to do a regular column for that magazine, I had sort of been saving up you know, the essays and so forth. Um, and then the sort of pandemic hit and, you know, we're all kind of locked down and I'm kind of looking around like, okay, well, what, what am I going to do here during this, all this free time, right? And I thought, I know, I'll write a book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why not? That's so easy. <laughs> isn't that what everybody does? I mean, isn't that what everybody did oh, during gosh. the pandemic? Well, you know? maybe. So anyway, so I, that's that's where the sort of the idea came from. So I have to thank COVID for that. And then it's sort of I had to structure it and figure out, well, how is this going to work and what was going to, you know, how is it going to kind of come together? And what I realized in looking at all the essays and kind of picked the ones that I liked and ones that I didn't like and all that and threw those out and so forth, I began to realize in the process that an awful lot of them were autobiographical. They were just about my experiences. And I had this moment of panic where I went, oh my God, this is going to be one of those books about then I did this and then I did this. And then, you know, I thought, oh my God, this is horrible. I, I don't want one of those books. And then I said, all right, so I took all the essays and I laid them out and I started putting them in two piles. And I thought, well, how many of them are about me and how many of them are about other people? And Fortunately, it turned out to be 50-50. Half of them were personal to me, and half of them were about other people and other experiences. And I thought, perfect. It doesn't have to be about me. And so I alternated them, every other one. Ah, every other story okay. is personal to me. Then, being the creative type, I looked at that, and I went, okay, what else can I do here? And then I thought, 
I should take the personal ones and put them in chronological order. So that if you are reading the book from beginning to end, which you don't have to do because it's not a narrative. You know, you can pick the book up and start anywhere you want. You know, it's just each story is standalone. But if you do happen to read it from beginning to end, it is a memoir. Because it starts with my very first experience with cars as a child, with toy trucks, and it takes you all the way up into yesterday. So it functions as a memoir if that's what you want, but you don't have to do that either. Well, that's what I love about this. It's 30 stories, and as I sat down last night, you could bounce around a little bit, look for something that you like. And what this really is to me is it's a, it is an intimate but it's very humorous, a way of putting the automobile in the context of daily life. And even the ones that were more personal in the story, I could relate something to them that brought back a memory. Right. And that's what I think cars are all about, is they bring back memories. And I wanted to touch on maybe a couple, because I want you listeners to buy a copy of this. And I always say this when it comes to books. If you have car buddies, car gals, car guys, buying gifts for them is very hard, because all of us car people want very expensive stuff. What Every year, my mom said, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? A Porsche. Right. Okay. Well, one year, one year she made me a Porsche cake, a cake in the shape of a Porsche. She, <laughs> you can have your Porsche and eat it too. Thanks a lot, mom. I want to touch on a couple of these, and I'll, I'll mention a couple and let you kind of take a run at it. Okay. The first one, which brings back wonderful memories for me when I was a kid, let's go for ice cream. Aha. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that. Well, that was, a, that was a very interesting story. That was someone who came to me through a, a friend or somebody. You know, I get, I get calls like this all the time where mostly they're estates. Somebody who's in charge of an estate says, you know, my mother, father, uncle, brother, somebody passed away and there's a such and such in the garage or the barn or the shed or something. What do I do with it? I get a lot of those calls. Uh, but that leads me into a whole other story too. But this particular call, it was a, it was a man and his father had passed away and he had this 190SL Mercedes, and he was calling me up to say, what do I do with it? And that really inspired that piece, because as he told me the story, and the story is completely there, it was like he was talking about the memories that he had of that car and his father. And so what we realize is that automobiles are just memory generators. Yeah. I mean, that's really what they are. And for some people, it's very intense. It's, you know, their first car, their first love, their first vacation, their first job promotion. Their, it's, they, bec they become very representational of, of watermarks in our lives. And getting those stories from people, I find just completely compelling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, because yeah. when I, people will stop me and they'll say, when they talk, oh, I'll see a car and I'll ask, you know, well, tell me about this car. And all of a sudden you get this incredible story. Not always, you know, not everybody who drives a Prius is in love with it, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know, or has a long story to tell you about it. But most people who have a long-term ownership of a vehicle have some bond with it. You know, there is a bond. It is a member of the family. Oh, yeah. And so these stories, and particularly that particular story, was I was sort of helping him work through what was he going to do with it. Was he going to sell it? Were they going to, you know, who, how, how was he going to deal with it? And you can see at the end of that story, he, re, he suddenly realized that he just wasn't ready yet, you know, that it was still too tied to his father and too tied to the memories of going and getting ice cream on hot summer nights <laughs> with the top down, you know, and the exhaust fumes swirling in the cockpit. And, you know, I, I just... The image of that was just so strong for me 
that that became the genesis of that story. Well, it makes sense to me. Two nights ago, I was in town. I live in a small place called Gig Harbor and stopped in to see a, a, a friend. I saw a Porsche parked in front of his his uh, office. And I went up and I said, did somebody get a new car? And he was all excited. And we're talking about it. And then he said, hey, maybe you can help. I have a friend out at the airport because this guy's in the aviation business. He has a car and he's ready to let it go. And he opens his phone up. And guess what it was? An original, original 427 Cobra. The re- <laughs> yeah, the real deal. And I just looked at him and I went, does he know what he has? And he said, well, I think so, but he's not sure. Can I put you in touch? So anyway, listeners, don't call me. I don't have a connection to this car. I've already handed him off to an expert who can help him get the fair price right. and a good price. But you're exactly right. But that, let's go for ice cream. I'll tell you, brought a tear to my eye because I lost my father almost seven years ago. And when we were kids, we would go out and we'd be coming back home and there was this little thing that would happen. And my dad would say, should we go get some ice cream? And the, you know, my sister and I, yay! And he'd, yeah. he'd pretend like he was turning, but his ring finger would go across this, the bumps on the steering wheel like he was turning, but the car wouldn't turn. And he'd say, oh right. no, the car won't turn. And he'd sing this little song because we'd say, what about Heidi, our dog? She's expecting us home. And it just it brought back that memory of this. He used to sing this song, Poor Little Miss Heidi Dog, Tee-tum dee diddly die dee do dee-tum. And he'd do, do that. And I'm just thinking of it now. I'm like, what a memory. What a car mm-hmm. memory and family memory. And it, but it's interesting that the car can do that. The car can trigger yeah. it. And interestingly enough, I mean, I have a number of cars because I just love cars, you know, and I'm not brand specific. I love all cars, you know, pretty <laughs> much. I mean, for with some few exceptions. But it's interesting that the car, of all my cars, and I have some interesting cars that the one that gets the most attention that i get stopped the most mm-hmm. is my 1978 honda accord what and the reason <laughs> yep yep and i have some pretty cool cars but the 78 honda accord i cannot take that car out without being stopped at least once and the reason is is that everyone has an accord story everyone oh, like a volkswagen bug story exactly well the the accord was the volkswagen bug of the 70s and for that entire generation everybody has you know my mother had one my sister had one i took it to college i did this i got married in this i know it was our first car you know <laughs> I, i've just you name it I, i've i've heard it i was at the gas station one day with it and it was and this this guy comes walking up and he's just he's kind of staring at it and he's looking at it and he goes he goes oh man he said, I used to sell these in the 70s oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> in Orange County. And he said, he said, we had waiting lists. We had waiting lists, you know, that people, you know, you just were on it. Well, the, the car gas carrier. crisis, remember? I mean, Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's the car that, you know, the Accord really made Honda Motor Company. I mean, it was the game changer for them. But he said people just were on the waiting list. And he said, I would just, the car carrier would come in. I'd sit down at my desk. I'd start at the top of the list. And if you didn't pick up the phone, I went on to the next number, yeah. you know. And he said, and that's how we sold cars and then he brings his son over who was you know eight nine ten years old or whatever and he wanted to show him the car and he says i used to sell these you know (laughs) (laughs) and there was this incredible moment you know of like it it just triggered him about how important that car had been to him as a salesman not as an owner but as a salesman wow so you know you're not that's not exactly the same story when you drive a one of a couple Ferrari down the road, no one's going to stop you and say, oh yeah, my mother had one when I was right. in college. You know, <laughs> that's not going to happen. But Honda Accords, all day long. And so many people just covet that car. I get more cards from people that say, well, no, when you sell it, I, you call me first. You know what I mean? Uh, because they didn't survive. You see, they just didn't survive. They were well-built mechanically, but paper-thin uh, uh, sheet away. metal. 
Yeah, yeah, and so they didn't last. And so, you know, to see one on the road is, is really a rare sight these days, yeah. um, unless you go to a Japanese car show. But even then, you know, they're not, not a lot. No, not a lot. And I'll tell you, listeners, there is a story titled, You're the One That I Want, uh, just about that car. So you got to get the book and read it. Now, another one, Model Behavior, which ties back into <laughs> my childhood immensely. Even the way your story starts about going to this little store with a buck seventy-five in your pocket. Same thing, I would go down to uh, the Bird Rock Pharmacy, where they had model cars on the shelf, save up yep. my money from my paper route, go down and pick out a model. Yep. Yeah, so uh, Model Behavior. Oh, you Related to that one heavily, oh, I can gosh. tell. Yeah. 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 Well, you were using your paper route money. I was using my lawn mowing money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, that's the great thing about your stories is how that all ties everything together. And and when we spoke the other day, another one you talk about uh, ties in Bruce Meyer of the Myers Manx in an experience oh, you had with Bruce and Winnie. That story. I, that's actually one of my favorite stories. It really is. Because um, it was a total chance encounter. It was just I was at uh, the, uh, what show was it? Car, uh, car design show at the... The Art oh, Art Center. Art Center. Art Center. Art Center. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, I suddenly couldn't remember it. Anyway, and they have a car show there every year. I don't know if they did during the pandemic, but this was pre-pandemic. And I just, you know, there was food tables and I just happened to sit down and Bruce and his wife Winnie happened to sit down with us and I didn't know you know Bruce or Winnie didn't know what they looked like or anything mm -hmm. and then their grandson was with them and it, it was just one of those chance encounter things that happened and I talk about that in the story that you just kind of you know fate it was just total fate and for some reason and he was 95 at the time for some reason he and I just clicked it was just like he wanted to talk and I wanted to listen. And it was like, he, we just had this incredible conversation. And so I wrote this sort of profile of him and that lunch. And later, lots of times with these stories, what I will do, if they are about other people, I, I don't give them the story to read on a piece of paper because I've learned my lesson. If you do that, you're going to get back this marked up thing like a like a cat attacked it with a red pen, you know. So what I do is I read them. I call them up and I say, I'm going to read you the piece. And if there's anything that is uh, historically wrong or if there's some factual thing that I got wrong, I'll change it. But I'm not going to you know, change what I wrote. Anyway, so I, uh, I called up and he, Bruce was very hard of hearing at that point, so I really couldn't read it to him. So uh, I called up Winnie and I, I read her the story. And there was this long pause at the end. And she said, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> she said, so many things have been written about Bruce. She said, no. Nothing comes close to this. Nice. She was, and it was like the highest compliment that I, I had ever received, I oh, think, for a piece of writing. But she said, you managed to capture everything about him and what, you know, the, the car meant to him and what it, you know, and how it evolved and, and his life trajectory, you know, because, you know, he got kind of ripped off, you know, oh, I mean, the, yes. the design of that car got fully ripped off and, and he was bitter about that for a very long time. Oh, yeah. And uh, then one day he kind of woke up and went, gee, I can spend the rest of my life being bitter about this or I can embrace it. And that's what he did. And so the go. last part of his life was just joyful because he embraced his his thing that he created, you know. He shared that with me when he was a guest on my show and we lost him back in 2021. 
Right. And uh, his wife carries on. And of course, we know now the company was sold and uh, now right. it's being reimagined kind of in a Rob Dickinson singer Porsche kind of way um, right. with this whole new ownership and legacy and the name continues. But uh, I'll tell you, uh, that was the first real car I ever drove. I was eight years old on a beach in Baja, California. My Aunt Jenny. Oh, no kidding. My Aunt Jenny, wow. who was just a wild, fun woman. We'd go camping and she had one and she took me way down the beach. She said, don't tell your mom because she probably wouldn't want you doing this, but you want to learn how to drive? And uh, so, you know, I kind of scooched up in the seat and learned how to push a clutch down. And, oh, cool. You know, yeah. So uh, the Myers uh, Manx has a special place. In yeah, my it's heart. just, it, it's a really, it's a, I really like that piece. I really do. And it, and it just sort of came together just naturally. Naturally, you know, I mean, it was just one of those things that I just let him talk, you know, and took mental notes and right. sat down and wrote it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm so happy that he found a way in his life to let that go and embrace life and move on. Uh, he talked about that in depth when he was on my show, and it, you could just tell the pain was in there, and then he'd finally just like, okay, it's it's over. Yeah, no, he, <laughs> he had this aha moment. He really did, where he just kind of realized that he could just, you know, spend the rest of his life being bitter and unhappy or, or not, and he made a choice, you know, and I, I really admired that about him. I admired a lot of things about him. Well, I just, it's a good lesson. Listen for all of us who've been wronged by somebody in our life uh, that you don't have to carry that burden. As they say, don't let that person or the experience rent space in your head. And the best one I've ever heard is that you can forgive. You don't have to forget, but you can forgive. But the forgiveness is really for you, not for the person that wronged you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Let you move on. No, no, no. You know, I always like to talk about inspiration here. And I wondered for you, with all these stories you put together in this wonderful book, what's the most ins- inspirational story for you? Oh, I mean, in the, in the book itself? Yes, yeah. What's the most inspirational? Oh, my God, that's a, that, that is really a <laughs> tough question. Um, you know, there, I, I, I know this is kind of a compound, but I, I, they're kind of like your children. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, Don't have you a love favorite. them for different reasons. You know, you really do love them for different reasons. I mean, you know, you're the one that I want about the purchase of the Honda. You know, that was that was this rite of passage into adulthood of buying your first new car and everything that I had to go through and the hoops that I had to jump through to do that because I didn't have any money and I didn't have a job and I didn't have anything, you know. Um, so, you know, that one obviously you know, meant a lot to me. Um, I don't know. There's just, I'm trying to think. I think... Um, the last ride, um, the one that is three stories, mm-hmm. um, the one about the guy who visits his father on his deathbed, oh, and yeah. uh, that one, that one gets a lot of attention from people because, it, and it's inspirational in that it, it is the lesson of that is whatever it is that you think you want to do, do it. Yes. And that's write a book, buy a car, ask the girl out or ask the boy out or whatever it is that you do. Don't sit around and and think about doing it. Just do it. Just to do it. So the last ride is a three-part story of three different stories, but it's about the dream not realized, the dream almost realized, and in the last story, it's the dream realized. Mm, Yeah. And it's the Cadillac, the Thunderbird, and the Corvette. And it's three different people, three different guys, and what happened on each one of those that that's a that piece has been republished many times actually in various publications because people find that a very inspiring piece oh, and also a great yeah. justification to go buy a car people show it to their <laughs> wives and say look look i'm supposed to do this yeah. i'm supposed to do this there you go uh car listeners uh, that's that's a nice device to use and you know uh, the other thing in here that's great are the graphics and on that particular one the way the script 
turns into electrocardiogram and the idea of life. And, yes. you know, that it, you did a great job with that. What was the biggest challenge in putting this book together? Uh, was it well, that, that beginning it, point of well, how do you break it? Which ones do I use and how do I use them? Well, yeah, once I decided which of the of the essays to use, then there was a moment in sort of thinking about this book where I kind of went, okay, I am an unknown writer. And, and I am an unknown writer because nobody reads bylines in magazines. They just don't. They just don't read bylines in magazines. They barely read them in newsprint. So I thought, I have to make something that is unique in the marketplace, something that I have never seen before. And so what I decided to do was to combine sort of magazine-type graphics in a book form. And I have never seen that before. So that each chapter has its own graphic language. And you notice when you turn the pages, that graphic language continues through that story all the way to the end, and then you get to the next one, and it's completely different. And they're also different color palettes, so that you one story doesn't confuse with another. It's non-narrative, so you can just pick it up, you know, and start anywhere you want. But people, I've watched people pick it up for the first time, they get attracted to a color. I've seen that happen. Well, they go, yeah. oh, the yellow one. I want to read about the yellow one. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't repeat any colors, if you notice, and I didn't repeat. There's nothing that is repeated. The only thing that is continuous is the font for the text. That is continuous through the book. Thank you, by the way, for doing that, being a past graphic designer. Oh, good. Well, I, and, and I have, you know, I'm a very visual person. Most car guys are. And so I wanted to entice people with the visuals to get you to read the text. And so that's really what I tried to do. Uh, it was a challenge and it took a long time. It really did. A lot of those designs and I hired a graphic designer to do it and we worked together. He would have ideas. I would have ideas. I would say, here's my thought for this. Sometimes they came together in two drafts. You know, like we go, oh, that's it. That's it. Perfect. Done. Lock it. We're finished. And others went 15, 20 drafts. Wow. You know, they just, they went on and on because I just wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. You know, it just wasn't there yet for me. And so I tried to make them all unique in that sense. And, and I think it succeeded. You know, I think it succeeded in that because I've not seen anything in the marketplace that looks like this. Well, your book is a wonderful read for automotive enthusiasts because it will, and I guarantee you listeners, when you pick it up and go through it, whether you start in the back or the middle or the front, whatever way, you'll tie in some way to each of these stories, I promise you. Uh, there's one called Full Service. talks about the old world of full-service gas stations. And those of us who've been around for a while, uh, you know, we, we remember that when you pulled up and the guys came out and they did everything. And you sat in the car and you enjoyed it. And then what does that full service station become and all that? So th that's the wonderful, wonderful nest of all these stories. I want to play car psychologist with you, Rodney. This is a game I uh -oh. play with all my guests. Uh-oh. Should I lay down? Should yeah, I lay down? Yeah, sit back. Tell me about why you had problems with your mom. And um, no, we're not going to go there. But I want you to tell me if you were reincarnated, pun very much intended, as a vehicle, but this isn't what you want to be. That's far too easy. This is how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, and more importantly, why? Well, I, I, you know, I've, <laughs> I've been asked this question before, and it's, you know, it's like, well, if you wanted to be an animal, what no, animal no, would see, you this be? Is, you know, that this, kind of thing. This isn't that. No, this, you got to be careful here. That's not the question. The question is what what are you, not what do you want to be? This is looking deep in the mirror at the man in the mirror. What are you, not what you want to be? Again, that's far too simple. Okay, well. This is my answer to that. Okay. I mean, I, I am not I am not brand specific in terms of cars that I like. I like all kinds of cars. I really do. I just for different reasons. You know, I just uh, I just like cars, so it, it doesn't really matter. But 
when I think about, you know, that to answer that question, there is one car that always comes to mind for me, and that is the 280SL Mercedes. Okay. Why is that? Because, the Pagoda. Well, and here's the reason. Here's the reason. It's extremely well-made. It's stylish. It's sporty. It's built to last. And it's German. And it's me. <laughs> well, there you go. You, I'll let you get away with that. That's for sure. I love those cars known as the Pagodas, of course. Right. And uh, I've always said, I had a friend who bought one and he was looking for one. And I said, just be aware because he liked he likes German cars, Porsches mostly, cars that go fast. I said, those cars were not known for their speed. So make sure you get a manual because you can kind of ring it out a little bit more, have a little bit right. more fun. So. Right. Uh, no, they were cruisers. They were cruisers. Yeah. They were not sports cars in the classic sense, although they do have a great exhaust note. You know, they really oh, do. Oh, they're, they're wonderful looking, too. I always thought it was interesting that they came off of, you know, the 190, and then they went to that, and it was like almost like Mercedes was going backward from the 300 SLs, but then, of course, after the 280s and those SLs, then came the 380, 450 SLs, which came back to power. Right. The, well, the 107 chassis was the was the big, you know, change yeah. from that. I mean, the biggest change though was from the 190 SL to the to the was the 230 SL was the first one with that body style because it was a much more modern body style. I mean, the yeah. the the 300 SL and the 190 SL, that body style, you know, beautiful as it is, is an older shape. By the time you get to the the 230 SL, you have this modern shape that is really, really classical. I mean, it really is. Yeah, I love those. I had a friend whose mom had one, and I was fortunate to grow up in a nice neighborhood, La Jolla, California. And I remember his mom; she was she was so beautiful, and she would come down to the La Jolla Beach and Tennis Club driving that. She had a 280; it was cream with a blue top and a blue interior. She'd come down, and she just looked like a movie star with the scarf flowing. Oh yeah, you know, everybody looks like, like a movie star in that car. <laughs> oh yeah, the top was never on it; it never had that hard top on. It was always the top off, and yeah, it just really stood out. And, and later on, when I started detailing cars, I got to detail that car and drive it back and forth to my house and yeah it was uh really really kind of fun yeah they're just they i just think they're interesting now uh, we always uh, or i always ask for a reference of a book obviously today we're going to focus on tales from the garage by my guest rodney kemmer um this is your first book so after doing one is there another one in the future um well you know one likes to think there is you know what i mean <laughs> uh uh the response has been sort of much more than I had really ever expected from this. I, I've just been, it's just been uh, reassuring, I guess is the word. Um, it's just been, it, the response has been people will uh, email me and, and or call me or whatever their form of communication is and just, you know, tell me these incredible stories. They go, oh, your book just made me think of things I hadn't thought of in, you know, right. 30 years or 40 years or something. So it really is becoming this thing where people just go, man, I just, it just brought back so many memories of people, places, and things. The car is just the... The, you know, the, the catalyst, I say. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's the memories that are really the the substance of this and so the the book is really functioning in that way um so i'm sure i mean you know there may be another book here you know because there's an endless supply of car stories i can tell you right. that oh, you yeah. know 
Yeah, but absolutely. I tried to do ones that are, you know, that are have a humanistic aspect to them. You know, that they are stories about human nature and and our relationship to each other. You know, and and how we respond to things. So you probably aware in looking at the book that you know these are these are real stories that have beginning, middles, and ends. You know, yeah. they're not just random musings of oh gee, here's a car I owned once. I, I read a, I started reading a bunch of other books that were sort of car memoirs like this to kind of say well. What are other people doing? And frankly, I was bored. You know, I mean, they're kind of my community. And then I bought this car. And then I bought this car. And then I had this. And I thought, who cares? You know what I mean? You're not telling me anything. You know, right. you're not you're not engaging me in the sort of emotional side of what these things represent to us. Because they're more than just cars. They are. They, 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 they really are, are more than cars. And nobody had really done that. So I thought, well, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do is, is bring that out. And it seems to have been successful because I say it's really sparking this in people. I mean, I was shocked to see the the little uh, consumer reviews, you know, that people post on Amazon. And, and they're all like that. They're all people saying, my God, I just picked this up and it just made me think of this and this and this and this. And, you know what I mean? So it, it's really working in that sense. And that's very satisfying. You know, to have a goal and then go, hey, I achieved it. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the the number of people who are making some wonderful comments on the book here are kind of a who's who of who've been guests of mine here. Don Weberg, of course, we we talked about. Uh, Dan Neal has been on the show. Bruce Meyer, of course. Lance Lambert. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people here. Terry Cargus from the Peterson. Uh, that And Bruce Meyer, of course, the quintessential car guy out of Beverly Hills. So uh, obviously a lot of car people who are in the know love this book. I'm going to take you on the ultimate drive. I'm a bit of an enabler here before I let you go. I'm going to park any car in the world in your garage. Don't worry about the cost because I'm going to I'm going to buy it. You can take it for a drive anywhere. But here's the key thing. Since cars are the catalyst for bringing people and memories together, you can take anybody with you, including somebody from the past that's no longer with us. So that opens up a wide variety of co-pilots. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you, Rodney? Well, you know, I'm fortunate that, you know, I married my best friend. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I have a 47 year relationship and I there's no question that my wife would be in the car we nice. wherever we went you know she's been with me on all of these journeys you know and I've been with her on her journeys uh and we share everything and it's it's just been terrific you know That's um nice. and she was a huge help with the book you know because well I was getting exasperated you know particularly with computer technology you know she's my built-in IT person you know nice. um and she really helped me get through all that but uh you know she's the person I want to spend the most time with well what car is it going to be though remember oh uh, what car yeah, is it going to be well, you know, the thing is, because I love so many different cars, you know, it's it's like saying, well, wait a minute. Oh, no, it could be this one. It could be this one. So I, I have to say it's probably going to be low, fast, and a manual transmission. Okay. All right. That <laughs> narrows I, it a little bit. There's a lot of those around. And so, you know, whatever you want to send over here for me to drive, I'll drive it. Oh, I know? get to pick. Oh, put the pressure back you on me. Pick. Why don't you? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, it's just, it's very hard for me to choose because I, I like so many for different reasons. And I know that sounds like a little bit of a cop out, but it really isn't. It's just that I love cars. You know, I really do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know that people can be passionate about, I'm a Porsche guy and I'm a this guy and I'm a this guy, you know, and you kind of go, oh, okay, fine. But, I like a lot of varieties of ice cream, you know? 
Well, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. You said low and fast. I'm going to park a Lamborghini Mira in your driveway for you to take on a drive. I would drive it. I would well, drive I it. I would hope so. And, uh, yeah, you and your lovely wife, I'm going to send you on a road trip up the California coast because, of course, that's awesome. Maybe a, that's, that's maybe a little drive. Uh, yes. sidebar into the Napa Valley to do some wine tasting and have some fun, some wonderful roads there in Central California as well. So uh, that sounds like a nice trip to me. You, Rodney, have taken us on a wonderful journey, and I would encourage you listeners, this book will take you on a wonderful journey. Not only the story itself, but it will bring back memories, I promise you, of time spent with wonderful people in your lives, cars, all of these things, time in the garage. Before I let you go, could you leave us with some parting words of inspiration or wisdom? Um, parting words of inspiration. I, I think, honestly, uh, as simple as it sounds, it's kind of never bet against yourself. You know what I mean? It's like whatever you think it is that you want to do, just do it. I mean, and, and I'll give you a very short example here was when I, after I sort of finished the book and I thought, okay, who in the hell is going to buy this book? They don't know who I am. You know, there's no way. And then I thought, well, if I can get other people with higher profiles, or in this case, any profile bigger than mine <laughs> to to look at it, you know, and then maybe say something nice about it, then maybe that will get people's attention. Now, you notice there's like 15 advanced quotes in the front of this book from, yes. you know, the who's who. Well, that was kind of based on a little insecurity because I thought no one's going to care if I say, hey, this is a great book. You should buy my book. No one's going to care. But I thought, gee, if I get these people that, but I didn't know if anybody would do this because I didn't, most of these people, I don't know. I really don't know them. Wow. Well, um, now you know some pretty heavy hitters. So so what um, What I decided to... Well, here's the problem. When you are <laughs> an unknown writer and you are going to people that have high profiles and are busy, very busy people, and essentially what you're asking them for is what I call the adult book report. That's yes. really what you're asking for. You're saying, excuse me, you don't know me, but I would like you to stop your very busy and productive and creative life, read my book, and then write a coherent paragraph about it. Would you do that for me? <laughs> That's a huge ask. Of course. That is a huge ask. And I have to tell you that everybody, the 15 people on there, were the most generous, warm, helpful people that you could imagine. Well, they're car people. Uh, and, and, but, but, but people should know this, that those people all were just incredibly generous to me. They didn't know me from Adam. I wrote to them and I said, you know, I've written this book. You don't send them the book first. I learned that. You you ask them if you may send it to them to look at. And then you say, if, you know, if you enjoy it, if you would consider writing something for me that I could use. And they all did. They all did. Nice. And it was like, so that was like, it was also a big encouragement to me because I thought, well, gee, if these people are willing to put their names on it, then it might be pretty good then, I guess. <laughs> they could um, well. But here's the thing. Those 15 names really are because I was so insecure about my ability to sell it based on the strength of my meager byline. But all of those people were just incredibly generous and probably the most generous here. And I'd always give a shout out to Don Weberg at, uh, at Garage Style Magazine because, uh, you know, I approached Don years ago and I'd only written a few things for a couple of magazines and I pitched him an idea about doing a regular column for his magazine. And he didn't know me from Adam, you know, and and he said, yeah, sure, okay, fine. And he was just incredibly generous and gave me a lot of artistic freedom. And so the book is really, you know, the result of his generosity. Yeah, nice guy. 
Yeah. To a very super nice guy, and we have become very good friends and so forth. But I always like to give him a shout-out because, you know, I always say if people like the book, they can thank Don because, you know, he really paved the way, you know, to let it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tales from the Garage, get your hands on a copy, or better yet, buy a bunch of copies and send them out to all your car buddies. Uh, it's a nice way to add something to their life that isn't just a dust collector. It's something they can pick up and read and enjoy and share with others. And I want to do a shout-out. Thank you to Scott Black at Time Peace Marketing. He's the one who got Rodney and I together today. So, Scott, thank you very much. Rodney, thank you for being so generous, for writing this book, for bringing back so many wonderful memories. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Great. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. We'll do it again with the next book. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Cars Yeah is proud to support our veterans, which is why I've teamed up with our nonprofit partner, TechForce Foundation, through its Veterans at Work Military Transition Campaign. The tech shortage is very real, and our country needs skilled, qualified techs to keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. When so many vets build their skills in maintaining and servicing vehicles when deployed, TechForce helps transition those skills to jobs as professional technicians when they come home. Learn more about TechForce Foundation and its Veterans at Work Military Transition Fund at techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! A fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!